0: Well, Happy Mother's Day, you know, it's, uh, uh, Hallmark you know, has wrecked things, really. I mean, Hallmark has invented holidays, um, and to a certain degree, it's great. Every day should be Mother's Day, really. I mean, that's really the truth. I mean, the amount of work that our moms, and man, I'll tell you, um, I know I'm grateful. I know my children are grateful. I'm grateful for my wife and what an amazing mom she is, and I know the husbands in here, you guys feel the same way, um, and then at the same time, you know, isn't it, it's such a kind of a bittersweet day because, I mean, in some cases, it isn't a happy memory with mom or and it isn't enough to just, like, come to church and just say, oh, well, you know, Jesus will make it all better and, and we just expect, like, that, as true as that may be, it doesn't put the Band-Aid on certain wounds that happen either. Um, and so it's, it's always kind of a mixed bag sometimes, you know. I mean, I, I do feel like um, in whatever circumstances we're in, um, whatever. And sometimes it might just be sad. Mom may not be here anymore. Um, and it's just a kind of a bittersweet memory. Like you have happy memories, but sad that mom's not here. Um, and so, you know, I think that um, at the very least what we can do um, is we can find something to be grateful for. That, that can happen. Um, even in the midst of really horrible circumstances but also at the same time and you may know somebody this may not be the message for you but you may know somebody and and it may not be happy mother's day but it may be something where you can you might need to talk and just kind of help people kind of get through a day like this even you know i mean that's really what we're called to be as disciples Too is to be that and not just sometimes I think we boil Christianity down into such like simplified terms and such like Hallmark kind of card terms um, that we just put a Band-Aid on things that need more than a Band-Aid. Okay, so let's do that. And and we're kind of learning this um, through our series. Hopefully we are. As we're doing a series on following Jesus, when Jesus um, told us um, and we can read it in Matthew four, can you imagine what that would be like? Um, for Jesus to walk up to you and say, hey, follow, come and follow me, all right? And we take that such for granted. I'm saying we, I, okay, all of us as a community, uh, we take that for granted because we forget, like in the original context of Jesus saying that, um, that would have been so mind-blowing that somebody like Jesus would actually ask somebody like us to follow him, It was actually the opposite of that in the Jewish culture, where if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you had to like practically beg him and you had to be the best of the best. You had to be the greatest student even um, in in the in the scriptures for him to even consider you following him. So could you imagine Jesus coming up to me and you and all our mess? Because I, I don't know everyone here super well, but I don't think anybody here probably is competing with Jesus in your righteousness. You know, listen. We're a group of people that just we're flawed way more than we even know we are. I know, on like those good days that I have, and I think, man, I'm wow, what a great guy people must think I am. Okay, is there such a level of of, of flaw inside of me and inside of you that we'll never understand the depth of how much we need Jesus and how how what a privilege it is for Jesus to come up individually and say, no, no, I I know y'all are a mess. But come and follow me. Okay, there's a couple of things that I do want to share that I think is really fantastic. Is, um, uh, I, and this is just a hallmark of the brothers and sisters here in the Clemson Foothills Church, is um, what everybody was able to do this week to serve Barbara and her family uh, was phenomenal. And I know everyone didn't get a chance to, but I'm not kidding you. The overflow of people jumping in at the last minute to say, I'll go and help Barbara. All right, And what's interesting is, as we do read in James 1, 27, it says faultless re- true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. And it's interesting because um, those, are, those are terms that aren't meant for us to just take like the legal term. Because even in the church, you weren't considered a widow if you had other family that could take care of you. Widows and orphans were people that had no one that would take care of them. And they said, that's what the church is supposed to do is to take care of people that no one else will take care of. And that's what happened. I, it was so heartwarming, and she was blown away. I mean, even when the word went out to get help, there was too much help uh, for Barbara, and it's just been a hard, really, number of years in her family. So thank you. Thank you to everybody, because there, there was this attitude of everybody wanting to pour in, and, and I love that because I see that over and over again. Uh, when there are needs in people. But, um, it, you know, that was just a really practical example of, of true religion. I know we hate that word religion, but when it's true, it's good, right? When you're taking care of widows and orphans, right? Um, and so what are we doing? We're talking about follow me, as I said. Um, we're in a part right now, we're in Matthew chapter 10, and I actually um, there's a, I made a little bit of a handout. You don't have to, like, follow through that today. You can take it home with you. It'll maybe help you work through some thoughts maybe you're having, because we're at really a turning point in the ministry of Jesus here, um, because Jesus has gone from teaching his people to sending them out, okay? And there's really kind of a disconnect, it, you know, in, in, in our history, even culturally, we pride ourselves in being people that go out and practice their Christianity, except the truth of the matter is, is that's not actually reality, all right? And in reality, we feel like as long as there's a handful of people that are doing that, then we all feel good about that happening. And Jesus is at a point where he's saying, no, I'm sending everyone out. Like that's like Christianity can't be. Isn't it funny how even today the term Christianity can be divorced from the idea of actually following Jesus in your everyday life? Okay, it really is. I mean, when you think about it, we think, well, Christianity is. Is like, you know, coming together on Sundays or Wednesdays and all of this. But Jesus is showing us here in Matthew 10. He's saying, no, actually, I'm going to teach you. You're going to follow me and walk with me. And you're actually going to see with your eyes how I do life with people. OK, and that's a very popular term today. Uh, that, that's kind of becoming like the little word in the church. I just want to do life with people. And going, OK, well, what's stopping you? Okay, there isn't anything stopping anybody. Okay, doing life doesn't mean that we go and have all our meals together and do. Doing life means that you follow Jesus every day. (laughs) Whatever you're doing, you're following Jesus. And I think it'd be great if we could all do life here together. Except, you know what Jesus did to his people? Y'all get away from each other and do your life in the world where there's needs. Okay, the church can't just become the holy huddle where we get together and we're just like no we just come together and we all agree on the same things and so we feel very safe. In fact, Jesus now sends out his people into unsafety. Isn't it great? I mean, I love our corporate gatherings are fantastic. And however you want to do them is great, okay? It's awesome, but this isn't Christianity. And it doesn't matter. It could be a small group or a large group. This doesn't define Christianity. It's how we live our lives and our family and the people that God has put, how well we love one another. Really says everything about us following Jesus. Okay? And so that's really the challenge. Jesus is now saying, okay, guys, I'm going to, you go out now away from me. Because, you know, when we're around people and we all think alike, what happens when, if you're just, always around the group of people that always think the same way what ends up happening and and understand i'm not saying that's always horrible but what are some pitfalls to that what do you think that's all you see you don't see the outside perspective it's just we're always right like, of course you're right, because we agree with one another all the time, and so we're always right, and we're always superior, and you're, you're always better, and I'm always better too, right, Riley? Because we love each other, and, and, and we say, no one's like us. Right? It just gets kind of strange. What else can happen? Like, if you're just totally insulated all the time, what ends up happening? We don't challenge each other to grow. Boy, it's no, because I don't want to challenge you, because you may challenge me. <laughs> You know, and then or if I challenge you and then Ben goes, well, hey, dude, what about you? And you kind of throw it back. going, Let's just keep everything. You know, what's interesting about the sociology of groups is the groups like to keep each other comfortable. Peace above all is the sociology of groups. Right. And, and we're going to read something here about Jesus. And he's going to go, I'm going to send you out. Whew, and it's going to be unsafe. And he's going, but this is what being a disciple is all about, okay? But here's, I want to just, as we read this, I want to just address some some things that may happen. Matthew 10 is usually where where we take the teachings of Jesus between chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We take these teachings and we go, that's great. I love that. Wouldn't it be great if everyone in the world lived that way? And we all agree that those are great things. And then he says, now go out. And what we do as human beings is we now start doing a religious activity. We we divorce going out from the character of Jesus. Okay, we go, okay, now we're talking about evangelism. Now we're talking about going out. Now we're talking about an activity. And he's going, no, 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 this isn't an activity. Don't ever turn evangelism into an activity. He's saying, no, go. And as we read last week, Become a part of the community. Like he said, go. I'm sending you to towns and I want you to heal and teach and proclaim the gospel and do all of these things. He's saying, be in the community in a way that you know the needs of that community. That right there may change how we view evangelism. He's going, no, I'm sending you to towns. And, I, and you've got to talk to enough people and love enough people and go further than just inviting them to church. You've got to go further than that. And you have to find out, like, what's your needs? Like, do you have a need at home? Do you have a financial need? Do you have an emotional need? Do you have a spiritual need? What are your needs? And you have to be there long enough that they trust you. I think sometimes it's easy when, we, when Jesus says go, we think that they were like just hot footing it through town. Like, hey, you want to come to church? Want to come to church? Want to come to church? Oh, you don't want this? I'm dusting. I'm shaking the dust off of, of my, you know, we talked about that last week where it's like, we're going so fast. And if you can't keep up with me, I'm shaking you off. How many, how, how, how much, of, how many of us would love Jesus if that's what he did to us? Like the minute we didn't go along with what he was saying, he's like, oh, you know why? Because you are like dirty old dust on my clothes. Like, just show of hands here. How many of us in here, and feel free, raise your hand. How many of us in here, man, when Jesus says it, you do it wholeheartedly the first time, you are on board with him, the speed of Jesus, and that's what's going on in your life. Don't be ashamed to raise your hand. <laughs> Please do, you know. But remember, one of the things that we're learning about following Jesus He tells us this principle that we can never forget. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's the standard. As I have loved you. He requires us all to sit here and go, how did Jesus love me? Has has Jesus ever put up with you while you've been stubborn in sin? He didn't come to you and say, hey, listen, you're dust on my clothes. You, You ever wake up? And heaven forbid, you don't want to have a quiet time in the morning. That was funny. (laughs) You know, like, and, and you're going, we can't imagine. But the truth of the matter is, is Jesus is the perfect teacher. He's the perfect mentor. He's the perfect inspirer. Some of you guys, if you've been in business and these things, you know that you don't just like stay on and rail people who are trying to learn how to do the job. Like you stick with them, you walk with them, you inspire them, you mentor them, you give them grace because they don't deserve it. Because that's the only way they're going to grow and mature. It's the same with our kids, right? I mean, it's like, can you imagine? I mean, you guys, if all it is is the hammer all the time, you're not doing enough, you're not good enough, you're not all these things. If you were just better, if you could just, you know, and all this, how? what do you think? How do we do as children growing up with that? That'd be kind of rough, wouldn't it? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so he tells them, I'm sending you into towns. And I'm not sending you into towns to just go and pass out cards and all this kind of stuff. I'm actually going to meet needs. find, Pray for this harvest I've told you about. There are people of peace that are going to. Here's an interesting thing is, can you believe that God is already working before you even get there? And you go, well, that's a dumb statement. <laughs> Except it's not. Oftentimes we think like, man, I went up and met Ben and we would become friends. And you know, that's when God started working in his life. <laughs> wow. I'm just saying, I've said it before. That's embarrassing. Did you agree with that? No. <laughs> you agreed way too quick on that. You barely know me. You don't know that I'm that arrogant. <laughs> that you know that. <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is is these are just things I've said and I know you've said them before too. You've thought, wow, that family, God wasn't even working in their life until I went over there and shared my faith. Can we believe that God is working well ahead of us Amen. in every life? Right. That he is working in everyone's life everywhere on this planet. All right, that, that may be a paradigm shift right there. I'm just going, whoa, really? And he's saying, no, when you go into town, there are people that that they recognize I'm working in their life. And when you come and proclaim the gospel, they're going to go come into my house and tell me about that. Come and do that. Come and share this with me. Okay. That's what he sends them into. And now we get into Matthew 10 verse 16. um, And he says, but it's going to be a little more difficult. Like the first 16 verses sound great on the mission field. Like going to a town, find a person of peace meet the needs you're going to be like the hero in town healing people everyone's going to love you all right but then in verse 16 he says look though i'm sending you out like sheep among wolves all right we get that right i mean you get the the, the metaphor the net the, the whatever you know the comparison she, jesus goes all crazy here i'm sending you out like sheep among wolves therefore be as shrewd as serpents and harmless as doves is anybody confused yet he just named four animals I'm like I don't know what to be a serpent or a dove or a sheep. All I know is the wolf will eat all of those things. OK, but he's saying he's he's painting this picture of here's what it's going to be like. You are going to go meet needs. You are going to go into a town. You are The harvest is plentiful. I have taught you how to do this. But at the same time, this is a real battle. And there are wolves that are going to hate you because they hate me. Like, they just don't even know why. They just don't like Jesus, and so they're not going to like Jesus' followers. That's what he's saying. And he says, but be as shrewd as a serpent. And really, you don't have to get all theological about that. He's saying, hey, be smart like a snake. Be wise like a snake. See what snakes don't do that sheeps do? Like, when sheep see wolves, they walk toward the wolf. Okay? He said, no, 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 no. Be a sheep. Like, sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are, are all, you know, innocent and all these. no, no, no. be that way, but don't be stupid. Okay, like don't walk toward the wolf, like the snake understands when there's an enemy, go away, like go get somewhere away, don't, it's not just this awesome thing just to go, oh, there's a wolf, this is great, this is my spiritual act of worship now to let him eat me, okay, but he says be innocent as doves, don't let anybody be able to actually say something about you that's true, that's against, that's, that's something Jesus hasn't taught, be innocent in your life, all right, so, Even if people slander you and and make up stories about you, make sure it's not true. Be innocent as doves in how you live your life. And so he's saying, this is what you're going out to. He says, because uh, people will hand you over to Sanhedrin and flog you in their synagogues, beware of them. You'll even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the nations. But when they hand you over, Don't worry about how or what you should speak for. You will be given what to say at that hour because you are not speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. And so, again, don't divorce Jesus sending people out from this idea of what he's already taught his people, which is I've already told you how to love people and how to serve people and do that exactly like I showed you. But when you go, there is going to be maybe some pushback. All right. In the first century, though, this was more real than it is to us today in America. Right. I mean, there really it may happen and it may happen periodically. But oftentimes you aren't just hauled into your boss or to your mayor or to your governor or something like that because of your Christianity. Okay. to them, this was more specifically real. Okay. but what he is saying is, is that. Things will happen in life that just aren't fair. You're going to be brought in unfairly. There will be injustice in your life. But keep in mind, there is a purpose for that. This is what I love about Jesus teaching. There's no like, why is he telling us to do this? He's saying, no, no, no. there's actually a purpose for injustice in this world. And he says right here, because you will testify about me through this. You ever thought about that? Right here as he's talking about that, when they hand you over, don't worry. I mean, just above that, um, you will be brought before governors and kings to bear witness to them and to the nations. You ever thought about that? That when something unfair happens to us, if there's a gross injustice, He says, well, there's a reason for that, because that gives you an opportunity to now go ahead and testify about Jesus. And and what's funny about our world that we live in today is injustice seems to be maybe it's not really on the rise. But I mean, with all of our news and social media and everything, the awareness of it certainly is. There's more. It seems like there's more and more injustice on a on a really terrible level but let's bring it down to like our everyday life does anything ever happen to you that you feel like is unfair at work have you ever been treated unfairly at work have you ever been treated unfairly by a sibling have you ever been treated unfairly by a friend have you ever been treated unfairly by a teacher all right has that ever happened okay I what's your response to that when you're treated unfairly What's your response? When that's just not fair, what they did to me. Right, that's not fair. That Clemson University charges me an athletic fee, and I don't even get like a good seat at the football game. That is unfair, and I hate President Clemens, and I hate you know. And, and, and oh, okay, I guess that's unfair. Okay, <laughs> but but we get treated unfairly. When
1: I was younger, I used to be more forgiving. And um I used to, you know, I used to believe that people were going through something yeah. if they did something that yeah. was mean to me and yeah. that um or they had some type of insecurity in them and so that they needed some love back. Yeah. And so you I used to be able to see through that. Yeah. When I was younger.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know where you're going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but now that I've gotten older, I've gotten more jaded yeah. and um and more skeptical. Yeah. And um, and, it's, and it's very difficult for me to turn the other cheek.
0: Yes. As we get older, we get a little more rigid, yeah. a little more fragile. Harder. You know, get, and, and it's that idea of, man, I don't know. Man, and, and, and I think a lot of us, when we're younger, especially think of kids, they're easy, they can forgive much easier. They can not get as offended as easily as we do. Anybody else, do you have like a, like a, a specific reaction? Maybe you have.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Because we had the very first time of working together recently. Yeah. yeah. And and he said there was a um, meeting that I was in yeah. and um and I felt that the situation uh, a person was not um uh, being respectful. Yeah. And um he said, I've never heard that voice from you before. He said he's never. Yeah. We've known right. each other for a long wait. time. Yeah. Yeah. And he never heard that yeah. voice from me before, but he, I said, Was it disrespectful? He goes, Nope wasn't disrespectful. I said, well, what exactly did it sound like? He said, it was very firm. Yeah. And, and yeah. basically, I, I was basically like, you're not going to talk to me like yeah, that. Yeah, right. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no, that's true. And, and what's, what's funny is, is if most of us, we all do, we fit into kind of this category of we're all pretty easily offended. We're all pretty easily offended. I mean, there are things that just get under all of our skins and we get offended. Can you imagine when the church is easily offended? And we're all kind of like amped up. and Can you imagine what the church, I mean, well, you can't imagine what the church is Look at the church, you know. When we're all amped up and offended, Jesus is going, listen, guys, like bring it down a notch. Relax, let your shoulders loose. Let them just move a little bit, okay. Relax, work the neck out, the tension. Because if you're following Jesus and you're all tense, you're going to have a really hard time proclaiming the gospel you know, and that's part of his point. He's like, people are going to offend you, but do you even know Jesus well enough to not get angry and to not get offended, but to be able to actually tell the good news about like in your life, not just like the general good news, you know, like I know this scripture, but like, no, you know what? I, let me share this with you. A, a, A brother shared this with me just the other night. Um, he said, man, you know, Keith, this happened at work and, um, ultimately what happened, what he shared was that he had lied about something in front of like his whole office, like they were having this big meeting. And he told this lie and he said, it really wasn't even that big a deal. And he stopped the meeting. He said, listen, let me stop right here. I lied to you just now. And, you know, you could hear a pin drop in in the office. He's like, what what did he just say? And he's like, forgive me. Listen, you got to understand something. And he basically shared, this is why this is important to me. It's not just because it's this rule that Jesus told me that I can't lie. But it's this idea of, you know, the guy I followed Jesus, this Christianity thing. Jesus would never lie to me. That's really good news. I know that I can always read about Jesus' life and I can follow his life. And there's never a time that he would fool me. That he would trick me. That he would lie to me or deceive me. And he's like, that's why it's important for me. And people actually in the office came up afterward and said, you're kind (laughs) of (laughs) different. Like, like, (laughs) I want to know why you just said that. And that's his point is, you know what? Unfairness allows us to testify about Jesus, not with the bullhorn, not getting up and condemning everybody, but just going, hey, listen, here's why. Okay, this is what he's saying about Christianity. This isn't keep in mind, he's not saying that this is like if you decide to do this when you follow him. I mean, that's what's hard. I feel like I could major. I, so Rachel got her PhD. That's exciting. I could have a PhD in offendedness. Like, okay, I feel like I could teach classes. If you said right now, develop a major on how to be offended, I'd be like, I'll give you 75 units on how to be offended in every situation. Okay, except when I read this about Jesus, he's saying, no, 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 you can't, Keith, you can't. And when you are, you need to repent of that. Okay, he's not saying that in, if you mess up one time, I will not love you. He's not saying that. But he's saying, you want know you have to be serious about following me. And when you do mess up, you do need to repent. All right. And so injustice will happen. It, have, it has a purpose. Matthew 10, verse 21 it says, brother will be, betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered When they persecute you in one town, escape to another. For I assure you, you won't have covered the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It's enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. And so this is just a principle that we have to know. In the first century, Jesus upset the fabric of the family. That just was a fact. He just did. Jesus coming into a family, he's going into communities where people who were so entrenched in Judaism, in, in, in the Hebrew faith, that what he was saying was, it wasn't even that it was offending them, it was the idea of, this is changing how we do family. All right? Have you ever had like... um. Like a family tradition you do each year? You know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you have like a certain thing. And what if somebody came to you and said, no, no, now you have to stop that forever. Like, think of the things like, for instance, like one of our traditions is every spring break. We, we actually rent the same house in North Georgia up in the mountains. We've done it for years and years and years. we rented the same house. Then this year we we rented a different house. And it really we were like. This is not as good. <laughs> I mean, everything was about I miss. And it wasn't I mean, the house we rented was actually probably a nicer house. But there's something about comfort and stability and sameness and routine and tradition and all of those things that kind of just get ingrained inside of us. And that's like a really superficial example. But then when you start thinking of holidays, think of if you were a first century Jew and you start thinking about Passover and you start thinking about tabernacle, Feast of tabernacles. And you start talking about these huge feasts that your family would go to every single year. And this was like a family vacation and you went to it. And then Jesus is saying, all of those are awesome. But there was a purpose for all of those. They were to teach you about me. That's what Jesus is saying. They all, everything you've done was to teach you guys about me. And now what I'm asking you to do is just follow me. And so the fabric of the family. And so could you imagine if, if a couple brothers say, I'm following Jesus. And mom and dad and sister is like, I'm not following Jesus. Can you imagine what Passover's like? Can you imagine what, when you have a feast, can you imagine what it's like? And you're going, whoa, this is Disarming our family. This is like creating. Jesus saying, "This is actually what will happen." Okay. But again, here's, and I don't know how applicable this is with you. Um, I was from one of those families, all right. That Christianity tore it threw my family routine all over the place to where people weren't happy, all right. Except here's the lens I used to read this through. the, the more I study this, the more I read it, I'm really going to ask you to reconsider the lens that you read this through, okay? Is what ends up happening is, is, if we stop and we start reading from verse 21 and we eliminate Jesus from the equation. This verse becomes very combative. It becomes combative because you read it and you're like brother against brother and father against child. And it sounds like Braveheart. I mean, it sounds like you're looking at like Emily's like, she's looking at mom and dad on either side. Like, I better defend myself against these people. okay? and if you if you divorce Jesus from the scriptures at this point, this becomes very combative. And I think it can even become something where we say, you know, this is see what Jesus said, though. It is he's combative, right? Like it's brother against brother, and you better be all about Jesus. And it's they're against you, and your family is fighting against you, and all this kind of stuff. And that's not what he's saying at all. It's funny we read about Jesus' family in John chapter seven, and in Mark about Jesus' family. They thought he was kooky. Can you imagine if you were raising how much trouble you would get in with God if you're raising Jesus and you're like that guy's a lunatic. You ever thought about that? I mean, Mary's in trouble, huh? No, I'm kidding. She's not. But, but the truth is, is his own brothers and sisters were like, Jesus is out of his mind. He's crazy. In fact, they were like, no, don't do what you're doing. What would have happened if Jesus just was like, okay, listen, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. What if Jesus became combative with his family? You know, it's funny because we read about Jude, we read about his brother James, Read about his family. His mother Mary was at the cross. You read about a family that, over time, as seeing Jesus live his life out, it was like, no, "No, no, you are who you say you are." And in fact, two of his brothers became major church leaders. You need to think. I, I don't know. What, do we ever read about Jesus being combative with his family? He says some very difficult things about family, but that's not combative. There's a difference between going, I have a conviction of following God and being combative. right? At what point did Jesus say, as I have loved you, so you must love one another unless it's your mother, father, brother, child. At what point did he say that? He's not telling us to be combative. And that's just one of those things, man, let's never pass that on. And if it is something that we've done, let's go and repent of that, right? Because we're talking about following Jesus, not following, you know, just this idea of of a combative military action. And what he's saying is, is the one who endures till the end will be delivered. You know what his point is? It's like Jesus is saying this. even my family had to see my life. Can you imagine if Jesus his own family needed to watch him live his life in order to go, oh, yeah, you're legit. <laughs> how much more do we have to do that? How much more? I mean, it's ridiculous to just go up to a close relative and say, you know what? I'm a Christian now, so get on board or get off board. Even Jesus' family goes, no, nah, we've got to check you out a little bit. We want to see how you live and how you love. And do you do what you say you do? Do you do what you teach others? And they watched him, and we see the fruit of that. We see the fruit of that. So Jesus will always threaten the fabric of families, but that doesn't mean that combativeness is how families should operate. We can't divorce the ministry and life and model of Jesus from persecution that will happen. Combativeness is never okay. And we'll learn about this more. Even when, when, Matthew, or, uh, when Peter's like, man, I'm going to lop your ear off. Jesus like, put the sword back, dude. That's not what this is about right here. And then he says in verse 26, don't be afraid. Like when you go out, that's what we're tempted by. All of us here, we have a lot in common. We all are probably pretty easily offended. We all probably think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Even if you have the lowest self-esteem in the world, it usually comes from the more highly we think of ourselves. That's kind of a, by, a weird byproduct of it. And we all have in common that we're really scared. Like, we're, we're scared of a lot of things. You know, there's, there's certain things that we do to kind of prove that we're not. Maybe you go bungee jumping, or maybe you go, you know, do some crazy thing, and you're like, see, let me prove to you that I'm not scared. I, I'm like Alfreda. The older I get, the more scared of heights I get, you know? But here, those aren't my fears. My fears have more to do with you approving of me. My fears have more to do with relational fear. My fears have more to do with what do you think about me? And really, this is what he's saying through this whole passage is, is if you're looking for approval, you'll never find it in life. If that's what your goal is, it's just I'm going to do whatever it takes to get approval. He's saying not to follow Jesus is going to require conviction and it may have some approval, but it may have some disapproval. He's really saying, no, I'm sending you out, but have conviction about following me regardless of approval or disapproval. And he says, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid since there's nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim in the housetops. Again, this is, this is not combative. Oh, we always have to use the Bible in the context that it was written. I was sharing with somebody the other day. This is that passage right here that can be used this way, there won't be anything uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. And then when we take it out of context, we use that to scare people into following Jesus. <laughs> Yariya, yari, I know what you did. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. Jesus knows already. <laughs> There's nothing that won't be uncovered. <laughs> you know, and we're like, we, we fool people and scare people into following Jesus. And you're like, you know, Ben, I know. You don't even have to tell me. I know what you did. And they will all be uncovered right in front of the church. The most embarrassing time it's going to be laid out, just like Jesus said. We're going to hold on a minute. This passage does not say that. I'm just telling you this, okay? is we've got to read it in context because what he's saying is, is this idea of, again, what's beautiful about this is, is guys, don't let things stick to you. Don't let the way people treat you stick to you. You know, you can have like kind of a Velcro personality or a Teflon personality. You know, Velcro is everything sticks to you. You remember everything anyone's ever done to you, said to you, treated you poorly. And it's like Velcro. It sticks to you. All right. And you're going really? You gonna treat me that way? And I'm a Christian. And you know what? Nothing's gonna be hidden. And everything's gonna be uncovered. And you know, and we just get angry and combative and bitter. And he's like, you wanna know what? If people do stuff to you, like let it go. Listen, everyone will have to give an account at some point. Like we all will. That's not a fear tactic. That's not for us to use to scare people and to trick people. He's saying, no, let it go, man. Like, let it go off of you. Don't go around and like, let it be your badge of honor that people have done things to you. Just let it go. Because Jesus is going, I got this. We don't use the passages combatively. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you things in secret, in quiet. When you're praying, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to convict you and go proclaim that. Right. But this isn't a scare tactic. This isn't how we treat one another, okay? This isn't how Jesus treated us. Can you imagine? He, he could do that. I know what you did. Van, I know what you did. Don't lie to me. You know, you're like, Jesus, you know, we just all a bunch of scared people following Jesus, okay? And he says this, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid, therefore, you are worth more than many sparrows. You know, again, if we leave that last section out, again, we can, become, we can take this very combatively. We can take this and say, you know, you better fear the guy that's going to throw you in the hell. You better fear that God. You better. And he's saying, yes, understand there is God who's in full authority over everything else. All right. But isn't it interesting that the verses after that. He says, listen, but I want to tell you something. I actually want to comfort you. Jesus' role wasn't to scare people into following him. And ours shouldn't be either. He's like, no, let me comfort you, though. In these hard teachings, let me comfort you that a little old sparrow that isn't worth nothing. There's not one of those that falls to the ground that I do not, that I'm not aware of. I'm I'm the creator of that sparrow. I know what happened. And he said, I know every hair on your head. I know everything about you. And your worth is so much greater than any old sparrow and understand i care about the sparrow and you are worth so much more to me than that sparrow it's that idea of boy shouldn't we be great if we're following jesus at comfort and inspiration and truth he just did that in one section right there he told the truth he comforted and he inspired all right but but won't just straight truth work of course it will Like, you'll always find a couple people to just be scared to death, and they'll go and just do everything after that. But Jesus isn't calling for an army of scared people. He's talking for this community of people that are like, man, I'm not easily offended. I love people. There may be unfair things that happen, and I still have good news to share. Like, the most relaxed, (laughs) you know, regardless of what's going on, is no, no, no. The best thing I have going for me allows me to not even get, you did something right. That's okay. I'm letting it kind of fall off my back. Of course this is, and I want to share this good news about God because he does have full authority. But let me comfort and inspire you. That changes a culture of any church. When we move away from that, Jesus is saying it is going to be difficult. Everything is not the prosperity gospel. It isn't like whatever, you know, just because you're a Christian, everything is good. Everything will always go your way. He says, no, it's going to be hard. But even when it's hard, follow me. Even when it's hard, remember that I'm proclaiming the good news. And that's personal, like in your life. Even when it's hard, love people. Even when you've been treated unfairly, follow me. Even when things aren't going your way, follow me. Like do things the way I've done things and you've seen me do these things. And he is saying your worth is so much greater. And sometimes that's one of the practicals we have to kind of take into consideration is just trusting how God sees us. Like, you have to really trust that. All right? Because sometimes when we're the most bitter and we're the most angry and we're the most scared, and oftentimes it's because we have completely lost sight of the fact that there's anybody that cares, let alone God. Truthfully, I mean, even in your life, think about it the happiest probably you've ever been is when you've been most content just as a follower of Jesus. Like when you've been most content about his love and your love for him, it's like, wow, this is, I want to bottle that. And this is that section that he's talking about here is, is again, just follow me. But making sure that we, we don't divorce this section from the character, the model and the message of Jesus, that we're still following him even when things get difficult. Okay, and that's the reason why he says, you want to know what? I do like my people to come together because you comfort and encourage one another, but then go out. Like I said before the beginning, if it's just a holy huddle and it's just all about we're right all the time and, and that's just how it is, it gets really, really strange. But he's saying, no, when you're actually going out, then when you come back together, it makes such a difference. Like it makes such a difference because now we can encourage one another.